0: Hello, everyone. Once again, welcome to FAA Safety Briefing Live. This is the March and April broadcast for this program. I'm Paul Prydecker and hello, Susan. Hi, Paul. How are things?
1: Good to be back, although that snow is a bit of a surprise. Well,
0: I know from Arizona it might be kind of hard, but we're, was. we're a bit used to it. As we were looking through the, the introductory slides and materials, I, I think I heard that we've Uh, we're up to number 19 on these broadcasts. And when I looked at some of the topics, we've certainly covered an exceptional range of information and topics in these. So um, the last time we talked, it was 60 years for this magazine. It used to be called uh, something different.
1: Actually. Yeah. So 2021 is the 60th Mm -hmm. year for the magazine. So we had that uh, I just decided to run this again because I liked it. it It shows the different covers over the years, yeah. different designs that we've had. and uh, yeah, we we used to have the name uh, FAA Aviation News, and I think at one time that was probably accurate, but when we changed it to safety briefing, we thought, well, news is not really accurate because we're a bi-monthly publication. We're not aiming to be up to the minute news like you'd find sure. on um, you know any any you can find lots of sources for that. What we really wanted to do and to be is right here on the page. We want to be the safety policy voice for non-commercial general aviation. And those are our, our three goals that we try to meet in every issue, which is to raise awareness of resources, to explain safety and regulatory issues as really only the FAA can. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that we, we, we cherish, you and I, and many others most, is the encouraging continued training.
0: Well, all of us are works in progress when it comes to being pilots and Indeed. and embracing continuous improvement is you know a hallmark of being a professional pilot, whether you're flying your own Cessna or working at an airlines or for a charter operation we all need to be finding ways to improve and there's a number of ways to to do that Runway safety is the, the, the um, article or the uh, topic of this this issue, and it's an interesting one we have Quite a few things to review, but what will be some of the things we'll cover?
1: Well, the we we've got uh, we have some very enthusiastic people on the runway safety team who were so very eager to work with us on this issue. And instead of uh, how it usually works, where we end up writing articles, we had people going, "Oh, me, I'll write that. I'll write that." And we had some good writers. In fact, there are a couple of them that I, I sort of said, "Hey, wait, do you want a job? Would you like to work with us?" So we'll look at, uh, at, at a lot of these topics and try to look at them, or all of the topics that are listed here. And we try to look at it as always in an engaging way and an entertaining way. Personally, um, I think sometimes the word infotainment is disparaged, but I, I think it's a perfectly fine word. And I think that it also expresses the idea that if we can't get content across in an interesting and engaging way, then we haven't succeeded and nobody's gonna care. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, on the first, the first column from uh, Rick Domingo is um, the scoop on surface safety, but it, it it starts out with you know the right comment and the right premise that we often are thinking about our time in the air, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes are more difficult times and the ones that offer the most challenges are our time on the ground. As, as somebody who used to fly in and out of O'Hare, I can tell you that that has some challenges associated with it for a variety of reasons, but also at just small airports that perhaps you're not familiar with if you've ever been to before. So this actually gets into the idea that what we do on the ground is every bit as important as what's happening in the, in the sky. And there's some nomenclature and some terms that are introduced.
1: Well, and uh, the 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 fact that it sort of starts off with we we assume that just as you said that the flying is the tough part. We're on the ground. Hey, what can what can possibly go wrong? Well, everything. And here is a place where, unlike the big sky, you're a much smaller piece of the ground, and you're not operating in three dimensions. And it's much easier to make mistakes, and some of them can be dangerous. So the complacency that how hard can it be mindset is a problem. And as it says in here, you never think you could, you could be that pilot, but hey, you know, most of us have been. So the other thing that's in this piece, um, I, I learned a lot from getting this issue ready. There are a lot of different terms that are used in talking about surface safety. Um, the An incursion, runway confusion, runway excursion, which that's kind of obvious. Uh, and the runway excursion is not, let's go for a picnic. Yeah, that's,
0: <laughs> yeah on the side of the runway. <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: It's on the side of the runway, but it's not the kind you want to be on. Uh, surface incident um, and surface event. So the, the group that does this and keeps statistics on it, they, they have very specific terms for it. But um, truthfully, all of it comes down to if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, it's the wrong thing to do.
0: And like everything that's safety related, there are risk mitigation strategies yes. on how to handle some of this. And we, we'll, of course, we'll address them and talk about some of the tools and technology. Um, I I know you have an article later on in there where you talk about an event that you had, which was interesting. But I think everybody at one time or another has would admit to being a little bit confused Mm -hmm. on where they're going on the ground and have made some mistakes. I've certainly made, made my share of them. Um, And when I used to talk to people about flying in and out of O'Hare, I always would say, Oh, here's just an airport. I mean, you're going to fly an ILS or a visual approach. I Mm -hmm. mean, the airport itself is nothing different really. I mean, it's a little bit busier. It's just once you get on the ground, then then it starts. And it's, um, it's, Requires some preparation, but it also all of your things about the way you think it will happen. You have to be aware that sometimes your expectation bias will get you in trouble.
1: Well, that's the thing that gets us in trouble in so many ways in anything, but especially in aviation. The other thing uh, you you notice this term wrong surface event. Um, I've seen that a lot more, and at one point I was looking to use that as a more umbrella term for the entire piece uh, of the entire issue, but because um, I had this really clever title in mind and everything else. And they set me straight that, no, we can't do that because there are too many different terms. So mm-hmm. there we go.
0: Okay. So let's dig in a little bit. The next one is a, um, well, it's anatomy of a wrong surface event. And although it's a helicopter pictured in the uh, photo there, it's really about an aircraft that basically made a couple of mistakes and uh, had to take some, you know, you know, action to avoid it, and your author Nick De uh, DeLottel does a really nice job. He talks about, you know, dissecting a, an yeah, event. He's, uh, <laughs> well, uh, he's
1: he, he's an he's an excellent writer and very very enthusiastic about the subject. So he he set this piece up, and the way that. I think um, human beings are wired for stories and he sets it up with one of those, you are there stories. So mm-hmm. you are you can just imagine as he's setting this up exactly what's happening, you've got this. And the reason that the helicopter is pictured there is because um, in the story, which is based on a real event, the um, the pilot nearly Bashed into the back of a helicopter because, as you see in the second bullet, there he was cleared to land on the parallel runway, not the one in use by the helicopter. And when he checked in with ATC, he got that, those words: "Possible pilot deviation. Contact the tower at this number." So that uh, "contact the tower at this number" or "contact the facility" is not something any pilot wants to hear. However, uh, this is this is where, in skipping toward the end of the bullets, there we talk about the compliance program that this is not about punishment, it's not about um, enforcement, unless it's something that is reckless or, or willful, that if if people have made a mistake, it's about accountability and correction. So the pilot and the team sat down and they talked about it, and this is how they dissected it, that, I mean, this is a 33-year pilot, um, it was a good, uh, nice was, day, all day. Of these things that happened but it gets down to what caused it and how can we how can we work together to make sure that it doesn't happen again was it a pilot issue a systemic issue whatever
0: well and, and so much about the compliance program is really gathering gathering data sure. and using that data in the analysis to help other pilots and to help you know the affected pilot understand the thing that uh, nick points out here is that Mostly it's a single engine mm-hmm. aircraft under 400 horsepower, mostly day VMC. Yep. Um, and pilot experience is all over the range. It's all from, over. Yeah, it can be anything
1: from a newbie to somebody who's been at it for a really this, long time. this
0: gentleman for 33 years. Um, so nobody's immune. Um, the interesting point um, in this event was that in the pilot's mind, he was um, wanting to land on the runway that was closer to his mm-hmm. hangar. And had that in his head, but that's not what he was cleared to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes so. you, you hear what you want to hear, and I yeah. think that's called expectation bias or confirmation bias and yeah for sure. we've all we've all we've all been there.
0: Um, the, and the, the other part about the compliance program is it it it's more of a conversation actually yes, which it's less of a lecture and more of a conversation.
1: Well, that's the idea because yeah. you know partly what the FAA is looking for is tell us how this happened. And I, I can think of another incident um, where involving an air carrier in recent months, and it, it turned out to be uh, when they sat down and talked to him, it, it there was a systemic issue. There was something about the way the lighting was that was causing pilots to be confused, and momentary confusion when you're moving really quickly, especially at night, can be deadly. And so it was something that. By talking about it and by having the conversation and really digging for the root cause rather than you messed up, then that actually probably prevented some future accident. And that's the idea.
0: Absolutely. So your colleague Paul here we go, your colleague Paul Cianciola um, has this article about hot spots part which is a takeoff on yeah, hot shots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yes, yes. And
1: I love the graphic the, for this one with the fire.
0: Um, and it's about certainly the obvious things about how we handle whole short lines, but there's certainly other things about it as well. And uh, if you get into the article, they talk about um, hotspots, of course, and some of the nom- or the uh, symbols used for hotspots, yeah. which over time has been evolving mm-hmm. to make it a little bit more clear. Um, it's upon every pilot, no matter what the airport, to have an airport diagram in front of them and to go through it. Um, I used to tell people um, in the air carrier world, if, "Don't don't release the brake until you're sure where you're you know you're going to be going." Uh especially in airports you haven't been to before, especially at night, which mm-hmm. is more complicated, especially with older eyes. It's a little bit more difficult to see. No, really? Really? <laughs> yes. I know. Um but the and a lot of the apps we use that have um airport diagrams on them, all of these have hotspot um indications and nomenclature and symbology. Um somebody once asked me what you know, we that. I think it was my first officer said, you know, one time at at O'Hare, he said, we should review the hotspots, you know, for our taxi route. And I said, the entire airport's a hotspot.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's one way to look at it.
0: Everything's a hotspot. Well,
1: I I flew out of uh, generally less complicated airports, but certainly there were ones with hotspots. And the definition right there is at the beginning of this page. It's a location with a history of potential risk of collision and where heightened attention is necessary, and we, I, I think it used to be that that it was it was sort of a mysterious thing that you either had to look really hard or you had to be a local to know. And then the one of the things that the runway safety team has done over the years is say, "Hey, wait a minute, we need to show people where these are." And so now they're using circles. But as you see in the um, when you get into the article as Paul indicated, there's there's some uh, information about how they're constantly looking at the symbology to see how they can make it better. And, and as you see on the third bullet, there is to standardize the depictions so that you can kind of like standardizing runway signage, um, which wasn't a thing for the longest time always surprised me. Um, So yeah, this is, this is about trying to um, point out the hot spots, but also make sure that there are other potential trouble that you can get into that you stay out of.
0: Well, the aim is specific on some of this, but mm-hmm. um, Paul does a good job of talking about the, you know, failure to hold short or a clearance to taxi to a runway doesn't mean you can cross other runways. And the bottom line is, if if you're ever in doubt, just stop and ask. ask. Um, there's an urban legend that floats around, you know, taxiing airplanes at O'Hare. The, the common thing we used to hear all the time from pilots was well you'll be okay at O'Hare as long as you never stop. So oh. even if you even if you make a mistake and you make oh. a wrong turn, just keep just keep taxiing oh. because O'Hare will yell at you if you stop. Well, they might, but they're gonna yell at you more if you cross the runway or someplace you're not supposed to oh. be.
1: And there could be a really loud noise. So, <laughs>
0: so oh. we always told people, yeah, we understand kind of the spirit of how to get along with the controllers at O'Hare, but O'Hare. if you're truly not sure. Um, stop, especially low visibility conditions and things like that.
1: You know what? I hadn't heard that one before, but let me let me just make this very clear, urban legends don't work in aviation. <laughs> that's right. If you, if you, unless it's in the AIM, unless you can point to a written thing, um, don't do it. I think <laughs> yes. that's good advice. I don't think you'd ever that, find that in the AIM. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we, we used to counsel pilots all the time and say, right. you know what? If you're new and operating at O'Hare and you're not sure, just stop, just ask. It, it's better.
1: They may not like you, but they would really not like you if you made a mess.
0: Exactly. Okay. So, um, this is uh, another article by Nick about the right stuff.
1: Yeah, this and, was the right stuff at the wrong yeah. place and the wrong time. Um, he starts off with uh, some information about Chuck Yeager, who was, you know, recently passed away, mm-hmm. but that that he was always thought of as being the guy with the right stuff and he just never really subscribed to it he always came down to is there as you see there in the second one if there is such a thing it's experience
0: experience
1: and it's practice and it's paying attention and studying and learning things and that's um because that was what he considered the right stuff this piece is really about learning as much as you can. And um, as it says on the right-hand side there, work really hard at it.
0: Well, and some of the learning too is from your mistakes and the mistakes of others, yes. um, we, we all make them. But um, as you know, I have that uh, presentation about never waste a mistake. I like so that. It, it's important that, you know, we learn from our mistakes or from the mistakes of others rather than, you know, criticize a pilot or a crew, it's better to say, what can I learn from this? And it's also true in, you know, this topic about runway safety.
1: Well, and that's, um, it's so easy for us to, all of us to sit on the ground, um, you know, sipping a favorite beverage or something. And you read about something that some other pilot did and you think, oh, that's stupid, I would never do that. But, you know, when you're in the, the heat of battle, there are all sorts of things that come up that might tempt you to do the wrong thing or might push you into doing the wrong thing. So you can never know too much. And when you're sitting back and thinking about flying, that's a good idea to be doing some of the studying that you can do to make sure that you understand signage, that you understand what the rules are. Because they do, the, the rules and procedures do change.
0: Well, and and sometimes I've been engaged in conversations where, you know, somebody has asked me my opinion about how do you think that happened? And sometimes I would have to say, I wasn't there at the time. It's hard to know everything that was going on at the time. There could be distractions, there could be issues with the crew, some distraction with it, you know, some small problem with the airplane you don't actually know all of the dynamics that go into what leads up to a mistake.
1: And again, that gets back to the reason the compliance program is structured the way that it is, is that in order to figure out what, you weren't there at the time, but what what if you had been? What could have changed, what could have made the difference? What could have broken the chain that led to an incident or Mm -hmm. or an accident, so.
0: Well, and also I learned something out of this, which uh, I always am learning something when I, you know, prepare for this. I saw uh, category D runway incursions. Mm-hmm. I, so I just went online and googled what's a category D runway incursion? As it turns out that's the that's the least worrisome. It's it, it, it's a it's an incursion that doesn't necessarily have a safety consequence associated with it. And of course, it ramps up. C means there's some conflict, but there's ample time to you know mm-hmm. recover from it. B means there's some time criticalness in terms of solving the problem, either from ATC or from the pilots involved. A means an incident or accident is narrowly avoided. And then there is no scale beyond that other than an accident accident.
1: or an incident. Yeah, Yeah, I can tell you from uh, the, the FAA tracks all of these carefully because the whole idea is to try to stop them and prevent them from happening at all. But the ones that, that fall into category A get discussed at a pretty high level. I used to sit in morning meetings where somebody, if there had been a category A, it would be discussed in detail there, but then in many other places as well. And again, yeah. not with the idea of going out to hammer somebody, but how what happened? How do we make sure it doesn't happen again?
0: Absolutely. So we talked a little bit earlier about some of the technology available and this Uh, Next piece by your colleague, James Williams, Safe and Sound on the Ground. It's really about what can we use technologically to help mitigate some of this?
1: Yeah, it starts with the, yeah, so, you know, you're flying around and you can see everything. You see roads, you see directions, you can see um, airports, and everything just seems so obvious when you have that bird's eye view. And then you get on the ground and suddenly you don't. Uh, no more bird's eye and everything can be very confusing Mm -hmm. but fortunately because now our um, electronic flight bags whether they're tablets or panel mounted or whatever they happen to be they give us so much information you have this little own ship possibility so you can (coughs) see exactly where you are Uh, a lot of (laughs) apps will talk to you and tell you where you are uh, or Especially if
0: you're about to cross, cross the, the whole short line. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: another thing, a trick somebody showed me several years ago, I, I had never focused on this before, but you know now I absolutely know it exists. You can go into some of the apps on the chart and, and pull out a, an electronic highlighter and sure. highlight your path so you see exactly where you're supposed to go. So there are so very many tools out there to help you um, and oh, yes, yeah, some of them have track vectors. I love track vectors because that shows you where you're going to be if you mm-hmm. keep going.
0: Yeah, I've I've used these. Um, I mean, last year was when I was doing quite a lot of flying. I I had one of the popular popular apps on my iPad. It had chips position all coming in from, you know, ADS-B essentially. And it was it was wonderful. However, it's still not a substitute for looking out the window.
1: Oh, yeah right
0: there we, we shouldn't forget the basics about you know seeing a void really does mean see but having these tools available to us sure makes it a lot easier and again uh, especially at night mm-hmm. uh, at uh, unfamiliar airports and sometimes it's just the simple things it's how do we get out of the ramp area um, sometimes it's just as simple as we're not sure how to get out of the ramp I and mean, once we're on a taxiway, it's, It's not too bad, but sometimes the most difficult part was, you know, where are we parked in this large ramp? Where's the nearest way out? Um, And then in addition to all of this, you still have to write down the taxi clearance.
1: Oh yeah, that's something I I always do that just to make sure that, because that there's something about sending it from my brain into my hand and onto a piece of paper that helps solidify it. So I I never try to memorize things like that. You know, another thing that this article made me think of several issues ago, we talked about things like enhanced vision technologies and synthetic vision. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people don't understand that synthetic vision tells you what is supposed to be there, but it doesn't tell you whether, and this, this (laughs) goes to, if you were just looking at your panel and you have synthetic vision and a deer goes across in front of you or another airplane that's not supposed to be, you aren't going to get that because that's not part of the of scenery that it's painting. So just, I, I think you you said it right, that even though we have all of these tools that can be very, very helpful um, in making sure that you have a sense of, you, you have better situational awareness and locational awareness, it's still on you to look outside and not count too much on the boxes.
0: And uh, I have a comment too about just uh, operating in a crew environment. And certainly I've done that for most of my flying, have been in a crew environment. And in general, the way things would work is that the left seat person, the captain is the one who is taxiing the airplane on the ground. And they may, you know, transfer controls when you get onto the runway because it's your FO's uh, leg to fly or not. But in general, the person in the left seat is doing the taxiing, which means the person in the right seat is on the radios getting the clearance and you know, reading back the taxi route. And it took me a while, but ultimately it dawned on me that there's a disconnect there because the person who is listening to the clearance is not the person who's taxiing the airplane. Mm. So if you don't write it down and make sure that you've compared notes, somebody's gonna be at a disadvantage. And unfortunately, it's gonna be the person who's you know actually
1: maneuvering. maneuvering.
0: That same philosophy, I think, can also be you know discussed about how we you know deal with flight planning and things like that. The person who might be copying the clearance is not necessarily one who's entering it into the the box. So there needs to be some discussion and coordination. And it's simple; just write it down, compare notes, and know where you're going.
1: Well, and also just uh, you do whatever it takes to keep your own head in the game, so that uh, trust but verifies—that old good old expression.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I love the technology. It, I mean, it 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 really helps. It's made a big difference. Um, in my 121 career, we had the um, well, we talked about this before the ASAP program, mm-hmm. Aviation Safety Action Reporting Program, and it's the equivalent of the NASA NASA's, forms. NASA yeah. forms. Well, our top three drivers, you know, the top three things that showed up in uh, crew reported mistakes were. Lateral deviations, vertical deviations, and taxi mistakes.
1: And <laughs> taxi mistakes, yeah. So,
0: you know, the vertical and lateral deviations. I mean, there was explanations for, of course, but taxi mistakes were up on the high end it's of high the left. spectrum as well. Yeah. We and of course, you know, we do things to try to drive those down um, with some success, but there it's always a work in progress.
1: And so. it, just like it is for all of us.
0: Exactly um well this is one of your articles yeah and libraries
1: and we use yeah. uh, all of our regular departments have a specific mm-hmm. mission and the one for this one which we call checklist is to point to fa resources which are available to you and they're free um mo- mostly on the web page website these days but most of our things also can be downloaded or or even ordered like this magazine so um, we, the the Runway Safety Group has a page and the the Learn More down there has the link to it. It's It's got a ton of stuff. I spent quite a bit of time playing around and looking what, at what I could. There are lots of ways to get airport diagrams, but if you're going to one you haven't visited before and for some reason you don't have it otherwise, you can put in the airport code and go in and look at and download and study a copy and there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh hotspots. Um, there is a, a whole set of information there about hotspots. And then there's this taxi test. There's a 60-minute video. Uh, you can sit there and watch that on a rainy day or a cold day when you don't want to go outside. Uh, runway safety best practices and it reviews signs and markings, scenario-based do's and don'ts. Um, and then there's a page of just general resources that you can click on whether you're pilot, vehicle, driver, whatever. And then some of the newer stuff is the animations and videos. So you have um, airport construction notices in in there. And then finally, last but not link, last, uh, there are links to um, other places that give you credit, Mm non-FA sites um, and links to the Skybrary, which is very well named. And I'll let you read the article to see what that's about.
0: And a lot of these, I mean, these, these courses, some of them are, you know, in the, 50, 60 minute. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them though that are just short little oh, yeah, snippets and right. vignettes of yeah. things where there's some good tips and pointers. Um, I when I searched for what a category D runway incursion was, I ended up with the runway safety mm-hmm. page at the FAA's website and just a list of, of of resources.
1: Yeah, this is what it's about. So I think we've all we we have learned and we're still learning the lesson that you got to keep it short and tight to keep people's attention. So I think we're we're trying not to make anything too long or too complicated these days.
0: It's an interesting word to scaberry.
1: I know. I liked yeah, it. Yeah. I, I I wish I'd thought of it myself. I might have borrowed that for some reason.
0: Um, your colleague Tom Hoffman, uh, who's the managing editor of the magazine, has a story about learning to drive in New York City, which is interesting.
1: That you know, he's <laughs> got nerve to do that. So yeah, he starts this one, telling this really funny story. I can sort of imagine Tom doing this, where he learned to drive in New York, and it's one of those he's driving around with some friends and trying to take them someplace, and he's very confident. I got this. I know where I'm going. And then suddenly he finds himself barreling down the wrong way with yeah, a bus. A six, or a, well, right
0: he's he's turned onto a six-lane road. Yeah, That's right. One way.
1: A not. <laughs> good thing to do yeah so this is um this was the setup to the fact that mistaken identity can lead you to a wrong surface event and that you he talked about expectation bias confirmation bias the Mm -hmm. thinking that you know what you're doing and then suddenly whoops you didn't um so he talks here about the runway safety simulator and something that I really hope everybody will take a look at the FAA has this video series and I'll call it from the flight deck mm-hmm. and they keep expanding it. It, it is being, uh, I think it, it says there's 25 now. There may be more than that by the time I've I think we've it's gotten to now
0: a bit more now, but it's, mm-hmm.
1: it's a lot, they're constantly adding to them. So you get actual approach and taxiway footage ca- uh, cap- captured with uh, cockpit mounted cameras, so you you can really put yourself literally there and see what's going on and see hot spots and see what it's supposed to look like. Um I would add that there are apps that will do that for you as well nowadays and it seems pretty obvious but my goodness if you do just a little bit of of you know research before you go you can save yourself a lot of trouble and from doing the aerial equivalent of barreling down the wrong way street.
0: But the other part of this too is um he points out in the story about how his friends in the back yelled out, didn't you you know, see that the sign? Yeah, that's right. It's it's interesting how our field of view when we need it the most can actually get narrow. Yes. And you're engaged in maybe looking for a street sign or to make sure you're you, know, you might be watching out for traffic and you miss the key pieces of data, like you're getting ready to turn onto a one-way street. And of course, the same is true when we're taxiing at an airport. You, the, the fact that you might be a little bit unfamiliar gets you a little bit of tunnel vision sometimes rather than having your head on a swivel and making sure you're you know gathering all the data. And of course, the other part of you know sort of taxi and runway preparation is making sure you haven't overlooked notums
1: i mean you you can
0: have an you can have an expectation that i've done this taxi route lots of times it's going to be the same every time but if you miss the notum about construction or temporary closures you, you might get a clearance that's completely different than what you're familiar with
1: yeah notums are um not where they should be yet but they're getting better and these days a lot of the efbs a lot of the popular apps they they simplify it greatly for you, and mm-hmm. some of them will even sort of read you the notum for where you're going. Um, so there there are lots of resources, and it pays to use them all.
0: I used to um, fly out of Philadelphia uh, often, and from where the the um, our operation was parked, the taxi route to runway two seven left was always the same. Echo golf hold short two seven right. Echo golf, hold shorter two some right. We heard this all the time. And the time that I didn't hear it, Uh-oh. I had no comprehension of what he said. It was like my, I, it just went right over the top of my head. In fact, I told the ground controller that just went over the top of my head. Can you say that again, please? Oops. Because I absolutely was not expecting anything than what I had heard 50 times before.
1: Oh, wow. so, That's, yep. Yeah. At least you knew that you hadn't heard it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Otherwise, I probably would have done the same thing, and that wouldn't have worked out. That wouldn't
1: have worked out so well. Yeah.
0: Um, This is an interesting one. It's it's geared towards the the mechanics and mechanic responsibilities when they're um, involved in you know tugging, towing aircraft. Um, I think I was telling you earlier. um, I don't have any experience with this, doing this, although it looks like a fun job. (laughs) But you know, at a larger airport, it's not uncommon to have to manage your taxi route with a number of other devices that are being towed. Um, at O'Hare, for example, the maintenance hangars for some of the main carriers are on the edge of the airport away from all of the commercial gates, and planes have to be brought from maintenance hangars into the gate area. So it's not uncommon that you're you know, you're sharing the same taxi space with planes under under tow.
1: tow right. <laughs>
0: At O'Hare, in particular, those individuals who do that—they have the same language and the same quality of communications that pilots do because it's ingrained in them, and they're obviously well trained. So, a lot of the things that we see about strategies for maintenance people, about you know, reading back, make sure you're on the right frequency, make sure you get a taxi clearance—I mean, it's all pilot stuff, just adapted to a different to operation.
1: Driving a vehicle instead. Yeah and there there are specific resources for vehicle operators and mechanics and and the the things that when i was reading through this and looking at the the pieces of advice here that are aimed at mechanics i thought well really all of these are true for pilots as well know the difference you know markings memorize the signs and their meaning situational awareness rules and layout, ongoing training. We all need to do that. Mm-hmm. And then um, it, it says in the last bullet, you have the same responsibility as any pilot. I would say pilots have the same responsibilities as a mechanic, taxiing a, an air, a taxi. Absolutely,
0: we're all sharing the same space. We're all
1: sharing the same space. So yeah. we all owe it to each other to be careful.
0: Um, safety professionals, uh, runway safety is a group of FAA individuals who have led a lot of these initiatives.
1: They are. And so I I had known some of these people over the years in different Mm -hmm. organizations. Um, As I said at the beginning, these people are super enthusiastic. They were they were a lot of fun to work with and putting this issue together because they care very deeply about what they do. So they have a national runway safety plan. And this article, of course, introduces some of them. It, it turns out that the FAA has uh, several different organizations within the FAA, all have runway safety responsibilities, depending on where they are. But but the key is that all of those people talk to each other, and they work together in this runway safety group, so that they are pooling information about their perspectives and making sure that that they what they're doing is. All working toward the same goal and not at cross purposes. So, um, and once again, you know, I, I learned quite a bit about some of the things in my own agency because we tend to get stovepipes sometimes in the FAA. Sure. I know that's shocking, <laughs> but uh, I work in flight standards, and flight standards has a lot of things that it does. And so sometimes you don't realize that oh, these other groups are involved in these things too,
0: deeply involved.
1: Deeply involved. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's a fun piece.
0: Yeah. So FAA faces. This is about. Um, well, he's authored a couple of articles here, McDaniel. So he seems like he's passionate about, oh, th- about this. Um,
1: yeah, and as I said, he's he's an excellent writer. I've I've kind of. Um, I think I'm I'm looking to ask him if he ever gets tired of doing what he's doing, if he wants to come to work for us. But uh, yeah, he, he's he's got time as a pilot. He served. He's flown as a. Uh, helicopter pilot in the military, mechanic, crew chief, tour um, in Iraq, uh, fifty different types of aircraft. But where he is now, he is uh, he's in the GA and commercial division, and as part of the runway safety group, and um, really, really passionate about trying to help fellow pilots um, keep the keep uh, keep away from surface safety events.
0: Well, and his articles were entertaining and, you know, fun to read too. So, and, and, and for those of you who would like to know more about this, um, Nick will actually be doing a program tomorrow night at, uh, seven o'clock central daylight time for NAFI mentor live. So he will be, um, he's the guest on NAFI mentor live. Again, the topic for the entire hour will be runway safety. So, if you um, want to tune into that, it'll be very informative, and you'll have a chance to um, see make an or see Nick in action.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um, right place, wrong surface.
1: You yeah, this yeah. was my this confessional. Is, this is kind of a confessional. Yeah, yeah. it was. So uh, you can read the story. I won't give it all away, but essentially. I was cleared for one runway. I lined up for the other because I wanted to hear that one. Of course. And so I realized just as I was on short final, when the controller cleared me to the land on the runway, I was about to land on, all of a sudden it occurred to me, oops. Um, but, but here's where the compliance program worked out again. I, I was very humble. I, confess I offered to go around and he said, no. But, but I mean, the, the whole thing was, hey, this happens we just want to make sure you're aware and just be careful. And I have, I have never, I, I have always been super careful ever since. So I tried not to waste the mistake. I tried to make sure I did all the right thing.
0: Well, and, you know, as long as you had a confession, I mean, I have can't give all of my confessions away because there's too, <laughs> ma- too many of them, but uh, early in my airline career, I did actually land at a airport late at night. And uh, we taxied to the gate. And when we got to the gate, the ground controller said, oh, by the way, tower just wanted me to pass along that you were clear to land. Oh, Because I we didn't get a clearance. Forgot land. to ask. And at an airport south of here in Rockford, one night I took off in a single engine airplane on the long runway.
1: Oops.
0: And, you know, they saw what I was doing. I said, hey, I'm sorry. I see what I just did. And they said, yeah, have a good flight. We'll see you.
1: So I think so much of it is about, this is not about trying to, to punish people, it's about making sure that you're aware yeah. and that you know what happened and you have an opportunity to think about it and learn from your mistake.
0: Yeah. So here's a fun piece. Um, Runway crossword puzzle and uh,
1: this is a new thing for us. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to do something. We, we actually talked about uh, doing a, a puzzle that was uh, can you spot the hot spots and we might do some of that in future mm-hmm. issues. We haven't decided yet. But uh, yeah, the team got together and put together a crossword puzzle, and you can get it from the hard copy of the magazine. You can obviously download it. We'll talk about that a little later. But there are direct links to this crossword puzzle and also the quick reference guide you see on the right hand side here um, in the about this course on the broadcast page, so you can get directly to them. And I've, I've
0: used the signage guide in a lot of training and checking events. It's very handy so. Oh,
1: it's, it's a nice little thing, but yeah. the, the puzzle's fun. We've had we had some good feedback on that so far. Very
0: good. Um, So this is um, for our our drone debrief. um, We're we're always talking about drones and their impact on the on national airspace system. So this is about essentially risk management in operating drones both near the surface as well as as near airports and heliports. And uh, the author does a really nice job of kind of talking about how these things develop. And there's ten on the side of the powerpoint here, there's 10
1: top 10 tips
0: on risk management
1: and he talked about uh, one of the things that we like to tout is there's an app called before you fly and not every um it doesn't yet support um every location but he also points out skyvector has drone notices to airmen Mm -hmm. and i have to say this is a term I, i maybe should have known but drotams I didn't know that such a thing existed as drone, drone pans, pans. but there they are drone notices to airmen. So That's very good. So
0: it. It, it's more and more. Uh, in fact, uh, we'll give the give us away a little bit. The next issue, we'll be talking about drones and other.
1: You did give it away.
0: Okay, good. There we go. <laughs> um, this next piece is pretty. Uh, there we go. Next piece is pretty fascinating about. Um, how we have how had we're, this
1: on your driveway this morning. I
0: could have had it on my driveway this morning, a heated driveway. Um, and, of course, being from Wisconsin, the, the you know, Green Bay has often been referred to, you know, the frozen tundra thing. That's actually a myth because Lambeau Field has a heated um, uh, field. You know, there's pipes with hot water yeah. and antifreeze underneath them. Um, it's a, you know, a way to keep the, the field playable. But this also plays into what are the ways of mitigating snow and frost on runways.
1: Well, this is surface safety, another aspect of surface safety, because during the winter you can, I I have done my tiptoe taxi around um, icy runways and taxiways Mm -hmm. before. So we we revisited a little bit, several issues ago, uh, we did a whole issue on the center of excellence called Pegasus. That was one of my favorite covers with the Mm -hmm. Pegasus on the cover. And um, we we went back and talked to them about some of the technologies that are being used and there's hydroponic and then there's electrical. And the one that apparently is the the favorite one is the electrically conductive concrete called Econ, of course there's an acronym, where no adverse impacts on communication, sensitive equipment, it can be activated pretty easily. And and,
0: and plus it goes to the surface right away, whereas, pipes yeah, and coils and heating elements have to work the way bubble oh,
1: up a little bit yeah, more. Yep.
0: yeah it's it fascinating i would like to have one of those on my driveway i but,
1: think you should
0: yeah and this sure, is wisconsin i'm sure all. the entire neighborhood would like that as well but it was an interesting read and you know new developments about things and there's more research being done so maybe it will be a standard Coming issue with some soon airports, to a
1: cold, airport, to near a cold
0: near airport near you exactly um For our uh, vertical lift, it's about uh, this column is called four star helicopter safety rating, and it's really about um, looking at opportunities for improvement in occupant protection as well as accident avoidance.
1: Yeah, and there, it's uh, the key. There is on the right hand side that the FAA is challenging the industry to develop and implement the concept as voluntary education safety promotion and. It's it's voluntary options to increase safety. Regulations, um, I, I know everybody thinks that regulations are the thing that the FAA does, but there are so many more timely and more effective means of doing things. And some of them are very much working with the community as we do in CAST and mm-hmm. the GA Joint Steering Committee and increasingly in the helicopter community to find Things that everybody can agree are a good idea, and then have voluntary um, compliance with it because sure. that's that's how things get done most efficiently.
0: Yeah. it's another good article, and it it applies not not just to helicopters, but there's applications in, in, for all of all of the vehicles. So FAA has a new Federal Air Surgeon.
1: We do. This is the first female Federal mm-hmm. Air Surgeon, and uh, this is Women's History Month too. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, although she she took over a couple months ago. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Susan Northrup, who was coming to us from, uh, she was the um, Southern Region Federal Air Surgeon for a number of years before she took over the top job. Um, I've known her, I've had the pleasure of knowing her for several years, I call her Dr. Susan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've complimented her on her first name. But yeah. uh, she's she's done a lot of different things that came out of the, the military um,
0: she's a pilot as
1: a pilot Mm -hmm. comes from a flying family and several months ago she and her husband were in arizona for because he was there looking at some airplane and we had lunch while he was off looking at whatever airplane he was looking at so i i she 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 wanted she wrote this article Um, this was not one that we wrote for her and as she put in this um on the the second side there the right hand side i'm a private pilot my husband's a pilot our family understands general aviation, and I'm absolutely committed to, um, you know, to getting airmen into the sky. So she, she gets it. She, she knows who we are and that well, medicals are important to us.
0: Well, she's an, an advocate for it. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like they they have a bunch of airplanes that are.
1: Yeah, I'm yeah. jealous, <laughs> yeah. actually.
0: Yeah. Um, condition inspection is uh, basically about eye exams, and it goes through what, you know, the basic requirements are um seeing the i'm not sure what that's called <laughs> re, 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 refractometer maybe I don't um know. it reminds me of when i um went in one time and they said are you here to have your eyes checked and i said no i, I want them both the same color thank you
1: oh uh, all right It's one of those <laughs> yeah
0: it's a dad joke you
1: know
0: um but anyway it, it is about you know acuity uh, the importance to stay up with it, get correction if you need it. Um, and it, it has a direct relation to runway safety events because it talks about your acuity and time of
1: mm-hmm.
0: correction, and especially at night. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our airline had this, not a rule, but a best practice. It said, don't turn on the nose landing light because you may you know affect other, some other pilot's vision. And I would always say, well... I understand all that but if you can't see the yellow brick road turn on the nose landing light so you can at least see it so right. that you don't go wandering off somewhere
1: well this gets into what the vision standards are and why mm-hmm. um and the the key is just like you were saying better vision increases the time to react and that the big sky theory is great until you start doing the math to consider what the closure That's rates right. are so, um, best corrective vision. There's an awful lot of things that are permitted, but mon- monovision lenses are not. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, bifocal um, lenses are permitted. Um, several years ago, I was very careful because I, you know, wanted to check it out first. Um, I did have corrective surgery. I had LASIK, so I have great distance vision. But at the time, they told me, you know, given my age, that you know your near vision is not going to be a thing, and you're going to need Near vision glasses, and so it came to pass. but hey, I take off my glasses and I can see in the distance. just great,
0: yeah, I and mean, it also it's it's you know not only runway safety but just spotting traffic. Um, mm-hmm. We've all had the you know the situation where a controller calls out traffic and you 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 can't see it. You think, how can I miss an airplane that's you know four miles away and I you know somebody gave me a tip years ago that said, you know, if you can see the ground look at something that you think might be three or four miles away, mm-hmm. hold that focus and then move up and you will you have a better chance of spotting the airplane because you get this, I think they call it empty field myopia.
1: Empty. Yeah. Now there's another key uh, a factor in here that I thought was interesting that color vision that has traditionally been considered adequate, um, it may be changing simply because um, I think the term they use in here is color rich environment. Mm-hmm. Think about all of the colors and lights and things that are now on our moving map displays um, this is another thing i think most people know that polarized uh, lenses don't work so well in the on the flight deck and they i used to love them but and, until i started flying and realized that oops this doesn't work so well and especially not with moving maps and glass mm-hmm. cockpit screens
0: mm-hmm. uh, this next is um, Roll of honor between the people who have won the Wright Brothers Award as well as the- The uh, Charles Taylor
1: Master yeah. Mechanic Award. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that we do once a year, and this was the issue that, and this is the difficult time we do it, we want to honor the people who have achieved that 50 years of accident, free flying or maintenance in the case of the Charles Taylor yes. Master Mechanic Award. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it is very gratifying actually to see how many there are. I think there are three pages, three
0: pages of pilots,
1: of pilots yep. and a, almost a full page of mechanics. So that's something I have a few years to go, but I still aspire to get there.
0: I, I guess I should start counting, but yeah, I think I have a few years to go as well. So
1: oh yeah, um, I got
0: I got a late start. But I,
1: I've I've had the privilege of attending several, in uh, including one fairly recently, a virtual ceremony for that. I I will say the FA tries to make that into a really nice ceremony, and family are invited, and and there's a nowadays they do not just a presentation about the origins of the award, but also there's there's a little pilot specific or mechanic-specific PowerPoint, you know, highlighting mm. your your career. So, see, oh. you do have something to aspire to.
0: Maybe. There we go. Um, ATIS is the Aviation News Roundup. Um, I, again, I found this was very interesting about the emergency out of land broadcast because mm-hmm. there's three aircraft that apparently have emergency out-of-line capabilities. And they
1: should tell somebody, right?
0: They should. And when it's become activated, it announces on um, either the frequency that the radio was set to and for sure on uh, 21.5. And then the announcements, um, you know, get more descriptive about what's actually happening so the pilots can be aware.
1: The other one to really point out here, I mean, all these things are, are good, but, but there's also <laughs> something on the dynamic regulatory system. The FA has been working on that called DRS, of course for several years and it's going to replace the flight standards, information management system and the regulatory guidance library. It's pulling everything together, updated a couple times a day. And one of my bosses likes to call it Google for aviation regulations. Mm-hmm. And there are some other people who say, no, no, it's way better than that. So, um, I, I I think it's it's really good stuff. The agency's been working on it for quite a while, and uh, I I believe that the community will find it very useful. Certainly we will internally as well.
0: And we've often reported on weather cams. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly they are popular at um, remote areas of like Alaska, for Mm -hmm. example but I believe we've done an issue not too long ago where we were talking about their deployment in um, Colorado Mm -hmm. and at some of the mountain airports there. It's just another way to get um, information um, in a remote way, go on the Mm -hmm. website, find it. And more and more of these I think are are, um, starting to be deployed. Yep. And then it's, it's hard not to, you know, turn on the TV or pick up a newspaper and look at, the commercial space activities know, that right. are happening um, on on the coast, deployment of multiple satellites. Um, we had a successful launch, you know, last year with you know two people from uh, down at Cape Canaveral. Um, more satellites, more rocket tests. Some failures that I've seen, but it's all part of the system. I mean, I was watching the space program develop in the '60s and. Certainly, well, the they're learning
1: how not to launch a rocket. Yeah. In some cases,
0: yeah. So it's been uh, it's been interesting, and I'm suspecting we're going to see more and more of that. Mm-hmm. So we get a little bit closer to the end here. Um, we talk about getting feedback, and I I read through some of them. I I wonder how how do you pick which ones will get some publication of the ones. Well,
1: if occasionally somebody will tell us that they do not want to have their their comments published in which case we obviously honor that but um but we we try to pick a selection sometimes there are people who disagree with us sometimes people want to add comments but but some of these things are not just letters but they're also um things that we get from social media so Mm-hmm. Um, these are the ways that you can contact us um, there's an email address but also uh, via twitter and there's we're, we're very active on facebook so a lot of ways to talk to us and we will talk back
0: does this go to some mailbox in washington dc it
1: does but it gets checked uh, pretty much on a daily basis
0: mm-hmm. okay um we always like to point out the ways that uh, you can get this publication. So, um,
1: Lots of, I like, I like this yeah, way myself.
0: I like the hard copy myself
1: personally delivered too. It,
0: yes. This one was. Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, you can sign up for a print, uh, subscription through that, uh, the webpage there, email notifications. I always download mine in PDF and there are mobile friendly links. We also do a lot now on a medium, and specific issues. And when you go to the archive page, you can click on, uh, which is a little bit further down there, you can click on a specific story and read it that way. So lots of different ways to read it.
0: I've often gone to the archive page because I am I'm, I'm intre- I, I remember I read something somewhere I kind of remember the issue title so I can go back to the archive page and there you it find is. It, yeah. so, so it's good.
1: I um, well, already gave it away, but looks like
0: some kind of drone thing, maybe coming yes, out for Benigin. actually, um,
1: the, the topic is, is going to be safely sharing the skies with all kinds of new entrants, including space. So mm-hmm. we have a commercial space article we have, uh, we're talking a lot about advanced, uh, aerial mobility, which is, um, it, it's not just drones, but talking about, um, yeah, you know, all of the the new entrance in electrical vehicles and things that are coming into the sky, and how it is that the FAA is approaching the integration, the safe integration of these um, these other aircraft and pilots into the sky, because we're all aviators.
0: That's right, for sure. Well, we'll look forward to announcing the date for that, and um, coming back with uh, that will be, I think, our twentieth yeah. broadcast of FAA safety briefing live. Susan, thanks so much for coming back to Wisconsin and doing this um, again. We'll look forward to the next time.
1: Absolutely. And uh, for everybody out there, stay safe and keep learning.